Today's Daily DVR is brought to you by our presenting sponsor, Cufflinks.com. Head on over to Cufflinks.com and use code DVR20 to save 20% off your order, no minimum. You've heard me talk about Cufflinks before. You know all the awesome, geeky, as well as super high-class products they have. And if you check their homepage, they're always listing a bunch of deals for you. And, of course, I did just tell you one, DVR20. So go ahead and use that. And you know what? You still got to look good, people. We know you got to be careful out there. We still got corona going on, but you can still look good if you're zooming it or even if you're just walking past someone looking outside a window. So head on over to cufflinks.com today. Use code DVR20 and save. Thank you, Cufflinks. Hello, everyone, and welcome back. Welcome back to DVR Does Mindhunter, baby. We had a big hiatus. We'll explain, but we're back to finish the series. Today, we are dealing with episode six of season two, directed by Carl Franklin. But remember first, I'm Heath Solo, and... My partner, Axel Foley. <laughs> I can see you in the on a spaceship in a garage. I love it. Ah, man, it's good to be back hunting mines, dude. I'm telling you, this show. Every time I just watched, I'm watching it for like two minutes again. We do a pod. I'm, it's been a while. I just sit down to watch it, and I know how awesome it is. But I'm still struck by how awesome and amazing. I mean, the shots, the lighting, the costumes, the the production design, the acting. I'm, I just, I'm so glad to be back here on the trail again, hunting mines with you, Solo. I am. And remember, you can go to dvrpodcast.com, right? Or patreon.com slash dvr yep. if you want to pay a little money to get all our exclusive pods. Uh, we Axel does he's bachelors it up or whatever how you say that he does all <laughs> kinds of things. Got new film list coming out. There's yeah. me and Axel are going to be recording every every other week. We're going to be finishing Mindhunter, and then we're going to do a bunch of other pods as well. Um, and on the Mindhunter feed, I'm thinking Axel, we had talked about this, maybe going into some do some special episodes, maybe some serial killer docs. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, things. yeah, I think the thing we said, maybe we do first is a, maybe a little, another little, uh, David Fincher production that was about a serial killer. Maybe even two of them. He did two, two. movies about serial or killers. seven of them. Yeah. Oh, 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 <laughs> oh. yeah. But I mean, I think that, both Zodiac and Seven are on the horizon um, because they play into Mindhunter. They keep the vibe. And as we know, and the out there listening, you know, it's in question whether there's going to be a third season of Mindhunter. A lot of stories going around. They let the cast off you know, out of their contracts and things. But, you know, as Solo will tell you, that's sometimes routine in projects that take place over a long period of time with a lot of popular actors. It's really up to whatever David Fincher wants to do. There's rumors of a movie. There is no news on that front, actually, except that we just love the vibe so much and Fincher 
that we want to keep on talking about it. And I wanted to just take a moment here, Solo, to give a shout out to JJ Ginger Snap, Brown U Jr., Ginger 2177, a lot of gingers. Um, for hey, for you, yeah. Well, we got a lot of great reviews for the podcast on iTunes, and even in the time that we have been away. Uh, you know, I get to look at the downloads and we get emails and there's just been a really, really fantastic response to this podcast. I'm really happy to be back and doing it. And that's why I just want to kind of keep on trying to do it. You know, and we had actually, we had a, a, we had a recent patron, Jessica, who became a fan of the show and became a patron. Um, and that meant a lot too. And it's just, you know, this is, I just love talking about this stuff with you and also it ties into eventually we're going to have to review a little movie called the star city murders baby well, yes once we can go into production <laughs> god's sakes but yes as you know yeah i'm doing the uh producing and starring and i co-wrote uh my first feature called the star city murders which is very fincher influence very seven mine hunter zodiac true detective influence so it's right up your alley so yeah we're gonna well axel's been doing uh the special pod because we did a kickstarter as you know raise some money and one of the tiers was a podcast so axel's been hosting a pod and we recently uh before the holidays had our director giles andrews on had a great great discussion we're definitely going to be doing one soon to kind of get people caught up in the new year but the Star City Murders t-shirts went out. For those of you who donated a certain tier, uh, Del Pedagot, good friend of mine, designed the logo. And they glow in the dark. They're freaking awesome. So in the future, we'll probably, uh, to you know, raise some more money for post-production or something. We're, or we may do a Kickstarter add-on where you can get these shirts because there was only 100 made. So only 100 are out there. So... We'll get more, but they're so cool, man. I love them. I got uh, mine, baby. You do. I can't hey. wait to see you with no bottom on wearing it. Oh, speak- hey now. Speaking of that, let's get into this episode, man. Yeah, let's I've, do that. This- All right. Like I said, um, it's episode six of season two. Uh, they don't name the episodes, as you know. Uh Carl Franklin directed it. Do you know much about Carl Franklin? Yeah, fantastic director. He's been he's been around in TV and has done some fantastic film Devil in a Blue Dress. Oh yeah, or Denzel. Yep. Um great director, known known for I, I think that this episode really suits um what he's done in the past because he really captures He's really good and I think has been known in his career of kind of making the mundane interesting and capturing kind of like the street and what's going on. And when I say the street, I mean all streets. You know, I think when I think of Carl Franklin, I think of I think of like detective hard boiled kind of stuff he's been involved with. And um, I mean, this episode was amazing, man, especially when we had left off on. The last where we left off last time um, with the whole kind of big meeting of the big wigs and 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 uh, Tench telling the stories and holding kind of not, you know, and this was really just kind of a way to get Tench ingratiated with the higher ups uh, right. along with, you know, 
with uh, the new boss that they have. So I think this episode kind of pulls us back. We're in that a little bit, that, but then we get sucked back into these Atlanta child murders really for the first time officially, right? Officially, yeah. And isn't that yeah. interesting, Solo, that we're at episode six, right, of a season that only has nine episodes, and we're now, the characters are actually involved with what is kind of the murder of the season, you know? Right. And I think right. that's just a testament to this show that they didn't, you know, they just tell the story the way it needs to be told. And we have such a backstory going into it. And we see as soon as we arrive too how vastly everything has changed. Um, I thought I j- it just reminded me again of how this, this series really is like every episode is like a film. Mm-hmm. So much happens, you know? Yeah, and and unlike network procedurals, if they were doing an arc on the Atlanta uh, the Atlanta child murders, you would have they would have dove right in and not really cared so much about character stuff, <laughs> you know. And it, and it, and it, this took some time, but they had to, like with Holden going there, um, you know, with him seeing, um, like you said, going back and everything's changed. But before we get into the Atlanta part, Axel, I kind of want, because, uh, you know, again, we're doing this and we're not trying to spoil anything. So in case you're watching it for the first time and don't really know much about the background of um, the Atlanta child's murders uh, from the late 70s to 80s, um, we'll do our best not to you know, to keep you current with the episode, we won't jump ahead. So you're safe with us. But what I'd like to do is hit the BTK open and then kind of go into uh, Bill and Nance and Brian okay. and the retreat and then go into the uh, Atlanta stuff because I, because moving forward, we're going to have a lot of Atlanta stuff. Yeah. So I'd rather go through this and then jump in if that's cool with you. Let's do it. All right. All right, so we got the BTK open. Uh, we actually hear him speak. I, I don't know if – I can't remember if it's for the first time if he spoke with his wife or not. Uh, he might have said a couple of things. But this is the first – oh, in the rope. Okay, yes, so but, yeah, but you're right. But it's striking because his voice is so – and it, and I, I have to feel that it's purposeful. But his voice is so squeaky. And unassuming and kind of funny. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> it really catches you. Um, but this whole scene is just so, so brilliant in that you feel just this little vignette, that tension of, oh, my God, something that BTK, some vital piece of evidence is caught in a fucking <laughs> copier, <laughs> like a I printer. Know. And it's like, oh, my God, did they get it? Did they? You know, it's it's great the way that they can ratchet that tension up with oh these little God. vignettes uh it, it really is good because you know you got this poor kid working in the like the library or whatever and he's coming over you know just trying to help him and yeah. he's because he, btk is kind of caught between he's a regular guy but then he's like it's my property and blah 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 but he holds himself back and forth where he doesn't go like all ballistic Right. to leave a mark so this kid won't remember him hopefully um i mean 
So, but when he's taking the paper out and stuff, you're like, what is it? I'm like, oh my God, is it a thing? Like I killed everybody or no, I, but it's that, what the boobs drawing yeah, with the arrow. Yeah. <laughs> but that's so significant too. It's well, kind of yeah. cool the way that they show it. Cause remember they did that whole thing of how he stole the symbol yeah. from son of yeah. Sam and yeah. had to, you know, and it just, and it plays into as well, obviously the rest of the episode where so much of what Holden is kind of trying to communicate to the people, um, to the other cops about how they have to look at this in a new way and about how the media is involved with it. And then of course, when we see our suspect very quickly later on that we'll talk about, it plays into that too. So it's kind of a multi-layered little vignette in the beginning and, um, just continuing the amazement and making me wish that when they do come back, if they do, which I think they will for a third season or a movie, we got to do the BTK, man. We got to do like a flash forward a little bit to the BTK. Yeah, didn't they, I, I read and I, I might be off by a decade, but I, I read an article that said when they were coming back, it was going to be in the nineties or the two, early two thousand. It was going there to jump was, back. Yeah, then. there's so many like, rumors out there. Nothing yeah. is confirmed right now. But right, that was right. a big. That was a in one interview, Fincher. Somebody mentioned about the BTK and if you might jump forward and and he just made some comment along the lines of, "Well, it's something we've talked about." And right, of course okay. it is. I mean, if we're talking about it on the podcast, you don't think that a writer's room <laughs> sat and talked about it? Of course they did. They Hell said no. like, Hey, why are we doing this? Are we going to go? If you have to ask those questions. Um, so I think that it, it really, it does set it up nicely, but even if they don't, I think that these vignettes and the fact that they've continued them and the way that they tie into the overall episode is always just that little, it's like, I hear the, the, the little music, the little, nee, 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 nee. it's just like, <laughs> they're among us, right? Yeah. This, this thing that you think serial killers, oh, it's something crazy weird. No, but this pathology is a part of each one of us in some way, you know? Sure. And that's why we're hunting minds. And think about a, a serial killer like BTK and how, just the average guy you come in contact with, average person, you don't know if they're a serial killer or have killed anyone, but you might have come across people without realizing it. Like, yeah. you know, would that kid in the library when BTK gets caught years later, um, would he remember that? Or that would just be like, you know, he'd probably forget about that, yeah. really. Yeah. There, and there's Which a, is amazing. It, yep. And there's a duality to it, too, because the kid kind of looks like him. And I think that they're playing with that in a sense of these kind of forgotten people and just the way he carries himself with his little briefcase. And you're like, this is a guy that did, you know, struck fear into the hearts of people for generations. Like, you know, it's crazy. An ADT yeah. serviceman. Like it's, you know, but it, it, it it's kind of, it's you know, again, it's along the lines too of like, what Holden later gets into and what we see with Bill and Nance, which is yeah. trying to figure out what's wrong with Brian. Yeah. And so of course with Bill and Nance, you, you know, Nance is struggling. I mean, Brian's reverting back because the trauma that happened with the baby and the kids. Yeah. 
So now he's sucking his thumb. He's peeing the bed every other night. He's not talking again. He goes to the park and is staring at a girl on a swing and Nance, you know, Nance can't find, find him. And, you know, she goes outside door to door, then finds him. And he's just staring there and it's creepy. It's very, uh, you know, so, and then, you know, you see the, uh, the, the 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 mother of the kid on the swing and over here so oh, just go play with her and yeah. then she's like we're good. it's time to go honey um, <laughs> and trust me <laughs> being a stay at home dad I have been there like I have I have come to a park where like we're the only ones there and then you know it's like a mom and her little daughter and then and then the big burly stay at home dad and <laughs> so like I was feeling what Nance was going through. Um, but this is yeah first of all let's give a shout out to stacy roca fantastic actress i mean this is really this performance here is she could this could have been so overboard you know and Mm -hmm. she plays it so perfectly and you because there's such pain there's such love but overall there's such just confusion and doubt about what's going on and she has no one to cling to and you're sitting there watching it. And when Tench is like, Nance, I got to tell you, I'm going <laughs> back to fuck, you know, we got to go back after the, after, after I go to Not the only, retreat. I, I got to go yeah. first of all, I got to go to the retreat. Then I got to go back to Atlanta. Yeah. But I'll be home on Thursdays and spend the weekend, oh, you know, and you're feeling for her. And at the same time, you're saying to yourself, man, I really want Tench to get back to Atlanta, you know, because this is important, (laughs) right? And that's where this show took a chance with this. This whole Brian um, subplot here is a chance because don't you think, Solo, it's a little bit, um, you know, it's a little bit too on the nose, right? The FBI murder guy has a kid who murders, but the well, way they're handling it is brilliant. Yeah, because, you know, it's funny when you first watch it, um, and this is the steps I've gone through, I'm like, oh my God. I mean, it's a, it's a correlate. It's right there. A parallel. His own kid is showing signs yeah. of what they're learning. A lot of these, Serial killers, whether they kill animals, pee their bed, um, have, you know, a trauma that triggers certain things. But then watching it this time, because, you know, when, when he's at the retreat at the end, Bill uh, Bill has a moment where he's thinking of Brian yeah. after holding court and talking about Manson and mm-hmm. Ed Kemper and all that. And but I'm just like, wait a minute, you know, because they're talking about the whole are they just born this way? And granted, he, he, the poor kid has gone through a couple of traumas in his young life and now, you know, with a new family. And uh, you, you, immediately you're thinking, oh, he could be, I remember I was, oh, he, you know, he's the makings of a, a serial killer. But I don't, I know that the traits are there, but in my, I believe watching it now, I kind of changed and was just like, He's reverting back to being a kid, but he's, you know, he's not being abused by his parents. Right. I think it's more of a, that's how he's coping. He doesn't know how to speak about it. Yeah. He, he's confused. So he's going back to a time where he felt 
you know, his comfort Safe, zone, Yes, yeah. you know, with toys and, yeah. you know, so I, I kind of like got away a little bit, Axel, from, oh, he's going to be a serial killer to maybe, you know, it's the parallel of what Bill's going on in his life, but right. it also, it, it just feels like the kid's going through something tough and his dad's not around and yeah. it's hard. Yeah, you know? I, I, I'm right there with you, Solo. I think that it is indicative of the basic question that nature versus nurture that the show right. asks. And I think that the answer it's giving us both with the, if you think also about Wendy's cat, you know, um, the these tuna. Things, right. And what we were talking about before about how BTK, he's just a regular person, it's both, right? And and that's what they keep on learning. What they keep on learning is some of these people are have a actual physical or mental disability and it is furthered by an experience that sends them down the line. Some of them just have the experience but are brilliant otherwise, right? And some of them are just have a mental deficiency they're you know they're imbalanced chemical or otherwise there's recently a documentary on hbo um about a woman who had some groundbreaking um work with m killers who investigated the you know the what the frontal lobe and right the, and how the how an injury to it or even um, an illness when you're young can, and it basically destroys the empathy center. Mm -hmm. So they didn't have that research at this point, or maybe she was, maybe she'd become a part of Mindhunter later. Who knows? But <laughs> I think right. that that is a question we still ask today. Right. But regardless, regardless of what the answer is, it doesn't, it doesn't alleviate the strain on Nancy and on Tench and yeah. on him having to sit there talking about the origin of serial killers while his son is experiencing the same thing. It's really brilliant, man. Well, it what's what's very interesting, Axel, it's because, you know, you bring up some great points and it triggered something. Uh, not not in a serial killer way. I'm OK. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I'm good. Keep it down over there. Um, sorry, my victim. It puts is, the lotion in the <laughs> put the lotion in the mask. <laughs> but it's when when a young child has these traumas, it's how it's dealt with. Right, sets up how they can react further and into adulthood. And what's interesting is Nance doesn't. She's so worried about reprimanding him for wetting the bed, going to this therapy, and she thinks why he's being quiet and struggling because he has to go kids just forget. And of course the doctor's like, no, 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 no. And, and so it's interesting. It's coming from Nancy probably because she just wants everything to go back to normal and uh, wants to move on with life. And, and, and even though she's smart enough, but she's hoping. Um, but if you're a family who doesn't care and it's just like, Oh, grow up, get over it, over it. And it's, a, if it's a bad home, then you could see him, starting to form into that maybe that serial killer path yeah but he does have to as much as bill's not around nance is stressed um i mean he does have two loving parents and yeah. he's safe in that ass it's the best possible situation he could be in solo well, right? yeah, yeah you know what i mean you make a great point 
And I think that 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 says a lot. I mean, again, that's a lot of what this show is about, like what you talk about, just the idea. And isn't that indicative of uh, kind of America and the and they show with the FBI and the way the, the they've had to navigate that, which is those people who want to be open to something and those who want to be closed. Right. Right. And we see that what makes Tench and what makes Holden and Wendy um, able to investigate this is that they remain open to things, even when they're uncomfortable or weird or strange. They don't want them to go away. They actually want to lean into their discomfort and investigate. Um, Even uh, even Greg wants to do that. As we see with his interview with Wendy, right? He still Mm -hmm. is interested in asking questions. So I think the thing with Nancy, you're right. It's representational of an attitude that in essence probably caused a lot of people to become serial killers or went down that road, right? Like when you, when you have to hide things. And, um, I just wanted to point out. While you while we're talking about them, if I can make a little kind of uh, uh, cinematic uh, uh, overture, which is the shot selection and the blocking and framing of Nancy and Tench during the whole scene when well, there's three scenes. The scene when they're in the um, psychiatrist or therapist office. Mm-hmm. The scene when she's putting away the laundry and he arrives home and he has to tell her he's leaving for Atlanta and the scene when he arrives home. If you look at those scenes where they are, the block, they're always distant. She's on one side of the room. He's on the other side. She's in the foreground. He's in the background. Mm-hmm. He's sitting on the chair next to the TV. They just saw the Atlanta murders on the TV. He's away from her. She's at home. She's always uh, like there's always she seems to be framed between lights or between things like she's in conflict, whereas he's always sitting and kind of evenly lit. It, they take such uh, there's such depth in 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 the way that this is shot and lit. The show just really drives me crazy. Sometimes I rewind, I rewound, kept on rewinding <laughs> this episode. If you watch when they're in the psychiatrist's office and when she set, when they're kind of coming to a realization and bill is trying to talk to the therapist and leaning into it and talking to him about it. And Nancy is like stridently doing what you were saying. Like, well, if we, it'll just go away. Kids forget about these things. And she's like pushed back. And then, cause she does kind of have a little realization at the end, right? They cross, they cross over. And she sits in the opposite chair. They literally cross in front of the camera mm. for no reason. Right. But it's it's to show that she's coming around now to what his position is, becoming more open and because she's so fearful, right? But he has to face yeah. the fear. And that's the thing that he's sitting there talking to everybody about the fear all the time where she's trying to run away from it and hide from it. And it's, and it's indicative through the acting, the direction, the camera work, 
every element of their little dance, which is, which is how I kind of came to see it after looking at this episode, I just see them, the way they block this is they're dancing around each other until mm. they finally cross and sit together. And uh, I don't know. For me, I mean, I, it just, you know, it brings a yeah, tear to the eye. It's beautiful. Uh, and two things uh, with within those sequences. One, when Bill gets to the retreat, and the bellhops are there to take his luggage. He's so shocked. Never happened to him before, probably. <laughs> he's like, he's so shocked. Like, great. but it's in a subtle way. Yeah. It's so good. I picked up on that. I'm like, just his look like, oh, you're taking my clubs and my, oh, okay. Uh, and then no tip. And then the, as he's walking, there's a weird shot of the bellhop. He's like, it's just yeah. weird. I'm like, was that just, he didn't know how to look or is he upset? He didn't get a tip, but Regardless. Uh, and also the little things down to when, when Bill goes to bed and he's hammered, he comes home and he takes off his pants. You hear the change come out yes. on oh, the bed. So, oh, so good. I love you, baby. I knew you'd notice shit like that. That's what I'm saying. This show is just amazing. Yeah. Like you hear it's uh, the, the, even I, I was going to say that too. The laundry basket that Nancy has. I had that laundry basket in the eighties. <laughs> Ours was right. green. Like right. it was. Yeah. It was every everything is so perfect. There, yeah. There's so much dedication to everything that's in the frame um, in this show. It really blows my mind. It's just amazing stuff. And what you're talking about with with Tench, I think it's interesting because it's almost like the observer, his boss, get it from French. Observer. I like it. <laughs> I love it. I, I don't know. I, I forget his name too. I just call him the observer from the French. observer. He's the observer. It's kind of cool the way he, he's a smart guy, right? Because he's telling Tench, you know, look, we know Holden is the golden boy. Okay. But guess what? If you watch out for the, I'm not going to be like your last boss who's just going to tell you, watch out for Holden, watch out for Holden. I'm going to actually show you what you get for watching out for Holden, which is you get a valet. You get to tell stories in front of the whole. You get the perks. Yeah, you get the perks because Holden can't handle the perks. You can't handle the perks. But it's true, right? Like they want Holden to tell a story. He's like. Well, you know, guys, it's really cool. And then Bill's like, everybody, come on and listen to Charlie Manson. Ed Kepper 6'9", and he can rip my head off. Exactly. Hands like meat hooks. Um, It's just he's but he's great at it. He's so good at it. And the way they shoot that, too, the way it's so subtle that. The shot opens more and more so you can see the other guys eating at the tables. And then as Bill talks, first one guy turns, then the director comes. Then when the camera pulls back, everyone in the room is The judge comes right. Yeah, Yeah, it's great. And they start enclosing the room. You're right. It's really fantastic. It's so subtle the way they do it. And that's just confidence of expert filmmakers here because they bring it all together but it all ends like you said bringing it back with bill sitting there thinking (laughs) god did i just describe my own son you know know, this big jovial atmosphere you know and he calls nance and unfortunately i mean he's so 
Bill knows how to deal with everyone. He's so good at dealing with people. But with his wife, he usually is, but she's past the point of no return now. As you can see, you know, when he gets into bed and her eyes are open, she, you know, she's feeling that disconnect and what they've been showing. Um, but, he, you know, he calls her and he's like, what do you want me to do? What do you want me? And she, pl- like you said, she plays it so subtly. She could have been yelling this whole time and most films and tv that's what would happen okay i get it but she's dealing with it but she, you know the way she does it that's not her she's not you know she's internalizing so, everything yeah right and it, you could see it eating at her but then he shuts it off and goes they're like oh so you want to talk about manson make that a double you know it's yeah. like but he knows he knows how to play the game um speaking of playing the game uh, Wendy and Greg getting a little better with their interviews. Yes. Uh, yeah. Big contrast from the last one where, uh, you know, Greg's like, uh, <laughs> number six. Uh, yes. Did you kill a mailman yeah. when you were uh, 42? Um, so they go to Rikers and it's the uh, the bag murders. Paul Bateson or Baters- Bateson, Bateson, right? Yep. Bateson, yes. Uh, you know, before we had the briefing and then they see that. Atlanta is calling in the FBI. So again, it's derailed where Wendy's having trouble. Her original goal, mission, the interviews, the data, mm-hmm. her two best are now going to go off to Atlanta. Yeah. And, and she could see that crumbling a little bit, slipping away from her because of the importance of that. And so she's struggling. So her and Greg do this interview. So what do you think interviewing this guy now? He's a uh, basically got thrown in jail for uh, killing Addison Burrell, but didn't dismember Addison Burrell. He claims he didn't do the other murders of all the dismemberment. He's yeah. denying it, of course. Um, and, you know, so what, what, what do you think, what were some of the points? I know uh, during this interview, uh, they talk about real connection and trust and fear, kind of the same themes, um, you know, sex is violence how much do you want to feel? So what do you think this particular interview with Greg and Wendy um, has like moving forward or, or maybe some of the themes of the show? What are some of your observations observer? I, th- I mean, this was so interesting to me because it felt to me like kind of a, a replay of the early interviews. And it, it really is kind of a redo of tension holding and almost right. like a different team because they're playing the same game that they played with. I think it was actually Kemper where he wouldn't admit to certain things. So they said, well, for instance, Wendy played that game. If there was a person who did these yeah. murders, how would they do them? Right. So it showed me in a way how Wendy And she later mentions it to Kay, how she feels that she was fooled in this interview. Mm -hmm. And in, but she was, she is opening up a bit too. And I think it's an interesting thing. The way I see the similarity and the mirror between Holden and season one and Wendy and season two We're investigating their relationships, right? Both of their relationships also seem to be more so an investigation of their own pathology by the other person as well, because the scene with Kay 
was a, a, a complete redo of this same scene with Holden from last season where she's asking Holden questions from a Cosmo. Right. Remember? Yeah. So it's the yeah. same exact scene. So I think that it's kind of like all in a sense what it showed to me besides what you're talking about within the confines of the discussion itself which i found interesting in the examination of her own sexuality right and the way greg feels about it because bateson was obviously kept on looking over at greg right like yeah, every time he was like looking over at greg to and greg kept on touching the ring on his finger <laughs> yeah. and spinning his wedding ring like he was saying jesus i know i'm hearing about gay stuff but i'm not gay <laughs> right like he's so worried you know it um was. but i think it was really to me this was about wendy and about wendy learning that she has to learn too she kept on fighting she spent the whole season yelling at Holden and Tench about the way that they were conducting the interviews and how they should be asking these questions, right? Right. And then in this sense, Greg was kind of doing what she was telling them to do. He was following the checklist. He was asking, did you think about murdering them before you got there? Did Were you aroused by this? But then she kind of broke off into the Holden realm of the emotion and kind of like she did with the last interview exactly, to save the interview. Yeah, she's yeah. she's still finding her way through it. And she got a little lost because in the end, they really didn't get that much information that was so viable, you know. Um, they got maybe more than they thought because the guy was talking about what he had done. I think that yeah. was evident. Um, but I think Wendy was learning how she could get lost in this and just really the complexity. And you start to see you have a, this new science. They're growing. They're growing. She's arguing with Tench about how she and Greg are supposed to hire people, right? They're mm -hmm. still supposed to hire people and fill out all the, yeah. this whole department, right. but they've got, but now they've got, they've gone from hiding what they're doing to having George Bush, the vice president, like ask for them to be a part of this, you yeah. know, and Tench holding court with the head of the FBI. Um, it, I think really it kind of said to me, I really enjoyed that they had this interview because it kind of centered it to me too. Like this is what it's really all about. And it's interesting to see Wendy learning. That's what I got from it. Yeah. How about you? Oh, just a really quick correction. I know oh. it's been a while. Um, it wasn't Kemper that went into the third person. What oh, if, okay. It was the, ha the guy, Happy, the actor, Happy Anderson or whatever. Oh, okay. The shoe okay. guy, the shoe killer. Yes. He was the one that wouldn't admit at all. Okay. Thank and then you. they went, yeah. But, uh, you know. I'm just doing that just in case. Yeah. I don't want you to get a hate email. Thank you. Come on, so Axel. Well. You're a I mine know. hunter expert. I know. I know. I got, I'm out here hunting mines. I need my own mine hunted. Yeah, well, dude, trust me. Well, <laughs> part of the issue of us on such a big COVID hiatus that yeah, know. we, uh, you know, you forget things. That's why, like, I, you know, so we apologize. 
you know, we're getting back into it. Uh, we promise we will make it up with good rhetoric. <laughs> <laughs> but what no did credits. you, what did you think about this interview yourself? Solo? What did you take from, you know, it's funny because the, my first thing was a lot of the Greg stuff I was picking up on. I didn't, I actually wasn't picking up on the Wendy stuff so much until she has the scene in that awesome seventies apartment that I oh, love. God. Uh, so <laughs> that I love paper. that. Oh, it's so great. I just want to have like a retro wing of my house dedicated to Three's Company and Mindhunter. But anyway, um, I was more focused on uh, uh, this time around. I was focusing on uh, on Paul and how, again, like possibly like a BTK, he comes off as, yeah, I don't know. I, I wasn't thinking about murdering him you know we had a lot of sex we were spent uh didn't feel a connection and i killed him you know it was like wait what yeah. <laughs> you know it's like so matter of fact but he you know it was different and that's the thing about all these interviews with the series this and, and, and i think with the data what wendy and the crew are figuring out that there's not just one you were abused you kill a cat you became a serial killer yeah. there's more to it than that and the, and people have their different but but what and we've mentioned this before on the podcast, a serial killer's mode of thinking is much different than you and I. And it's just a total different like if we don't find a connection, you know, granted, some people may become stalkers. Some people may start drinking, you know, different things. But not everyone goes and kills. Oh, we don't have a connection. I'm going to kill you. You know, it just it, that that's was not a, normal. I'm glad you mentioned that because I found that to be. Coming from him, the most interesting part, too, is when he said, like, there was a, a little part where I felt like Wendy had him. Yes. But then she didn't yes. go deeper. And it was when he said that, when he said, he didn't feel the true connection like I did, so I killed him. Right? Mm -hmm. And it yeah. was, that was where she should have went in and saying, it was almost as if it was a religious act to him. Like he didn't see how beautiful this thing. We, this, this sensual masochistic, like, I don't know, prayer service we had just held. He wasn't right. into it enough. He didn't understand. So I had to kill him. He wasn't worthy of it. And that plays into the psychosexual, um, the, the, the gratification, the glorification of violence and sex that so many of these killers have. Yeah. And I think that that's really interesting. Um, but I think maybe it was a little scary for her because she's exploring yes. that within herself, not the, the masochistic part, but the sexuality. Sure. And sure. I think that you saw that too when they were first discussing Bateson in the office, and I love those office scenes. I where, do too, man. <laughs> uh, they're so, and they, it's so the dynamics always change. You know, like sometimes Tench and Wendy are together, and they're against Holden, and the, or they're all against Greg. But this time, it was like Wendy and Greg against Holden and uh, Tench because Holden and Tench were being incredibly homophobic and and dismissive of this whole thing and at, and now that greg knows about her sexuality he they exchange kind of a look about it and i felt that greg in a sense came to her defense 
you know, and just even down to the little detail of S and M. No, yes. it's SM. Yeah. And then even Wendy, when she says, she says SM, yep. she does it, you know, Good I point. like that little, and it, Beautiful. and it, and for the Greg character, he's come a long way. He's a minor character, but yet, you know, he was the rat. He was it, but yet he, you know, he, he's become part of the team. And even though he's the one, you know, but it, it just, uh, I, I, I kind of, in this episode, start liking him more. Yeah. Because I, uh, I do like Wendy does need someone like that. Yeah. Like everything in this show, you're like, why did they spend so much time on this character? And then they're like, oh, I remember because this show's brilliant and they care about everything. And they're not just going to have some dude in the office like right. he they build his him up. And he is a viable character in this show that I care about and I'm interested in. And I and even on his level, like you said, we've seen his faults, too. And we've seen yeah. growth in his character, which yeah. is something really interesting. Speaking of interesting, let's do it. The boys get sent to Atlanta. Yeah. Now, Bill's going to come in on Mondays and leave on Thursdays. Holden's there. But our boy Jim Barney's back, yeah. baby. I love that dude. He's so good. He's so good. So, uh, you know, like you said earlier, Holden gets there. He walks into that, uh, the home base, but now it's fluttered with people and composites. Yeah, what a change, right? Like it's, Oh man. I mean, the first time we went there, we were, we, I remember we were both just talking about the set and how weird it is. And you know what I mean? Like it's this abandoned built, like nothing. And then it's all full of thing. But then the interesting part for me mm-hmm. is that the first thing that uh, Barney says to Holden, right, is this is a little bit too much. Like they're overdoing it, you know, <laughs> like they're going they're throwing everything at it. So it's kind of like you're damned if you do damned if you don't. Right. They get there and no one's do, paying any attention and Holden's trying to get it. Then when he gets back everybody's paying attention but he has to focus their attention and that's what he spends most of this episode doing right right is navigating the politics of this police chief who is a great seems to be a great guy wants to solve these murders wants to do the right thing has to follow this guy calling in this obvious kkk guy and what holden Again, this is just like the Brian thing. I I was kind of caught between both of them kind of because I'm like, Holden's got a point, but he's not even listening to the other guy. But then the other guy's not really listening to him either. Yeah, they're both on there. Yeah, they had to work through it and they eventually did. Yeah. And, you know, as I, I listen to a lot of, of course, as you know, and everyone knows, a lot of true crime cases, podcasts, documentaries. And one of the, it's funny, when you look back at the 70s, you're like, how the hell did they catch, end up catching people in the 70s with with the lack of <laughs> I know technology man. and stuff? I, I'm amazed. Without that, being able to trace their cell phones, right? How did you? I mean, seriously. Well, because I mean, we know the truth, Solo, is that a vast majority of murders are unsolved and people get away with it. That's, that's just the truth. (laughs) But also it, unfortunately, a lot of these, even nowadays, 
whether it's lack of resources or narrow focusing on one suspect, a lot of times the police don't do a good job and it could be for political reasons, money, you know, and what the, the BAU, what's amazing is why this has become so big and so helpful is again, it's not so much looking at where a murder may take place or, you know, getting a tip and going scout it out. It's, all right, let's think of the killer. Let's think of the past, like going back from Berkowitz, going back to their, um, to potentially going back to scenes of the crime to relive it. But the, the, the whole fact of doing this, the profiling, it, 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 it gives you more of a, um, an open air uh, and not a narrow mindness. And, uh, you know, old school detective work before BAU stuff was that it's you evidence. Cast the net. You can't, yeah. yeah. You cast the net. It's yeah. evidence. It's you go with instincts. Uh, you, but unfortunately with this particular case is like 18 murders, some missing people. What is it? One killer. Is it two? Is it three? Is it, are they connected? And you need to, think outside the box in these situations. And what's great is this show is showing the evolution of, of behavioral science. But now you, you get the contrast of old school chief police and new school analyzing the mind coming together. And, and it, and it shows later after the briefing that the, the chief decides, okay, let's, let's go back to, um, the old scenes of the crime as Holden said to see if, you know, and what's amazing too is when um, Jim Barney and they go out and they're um, interviewing people and they're like, cops never came and interview me. Wait, it was the, <laughs> the crime yep. took place down the street and no one came to interview you. And then they start putting the connections of Earl Terrell, Luby Jeter, uh, Patman, Patrick Rogers, even though he's older, like, you're starting to put all these together that they knew each other. And the fact that some of these kids might've been selling their bodies, doing whatever they can to make money, the prostitution and stuff. So it's just like, Whoa, like, you know, but holding it, it's funny because he is kind of, I don't know, not narrow minded, but he thinks it's an African American suspect. Right. So when any, anytime a white suspect comes up, he's like, well, he's white, you know? And even though he seems to be right and it, it, probably right. I, I'm a little upset at holding a little bit for not because he's very narrow minded. <laughs> that's though he's holding, the smartest baby. Guy the yeah, yeah. No, that's what I that's mean. That's what's it's tough. A, it's a catch. To, you know, this show yeah. has a brilliant way of showing you both sides. You know, right. with the whole with, with holding your right. You're you're. He's so arrogant, and and how and it's just like. Um, uh, uh, when Holden is speaking to uh, the young woman behind the desk that he had met before, Tanya, Tanya, Tanya. Yeah. and she says to him, "A man says he killed somebody. You might as well investigate it, right?" Like, <laughs> yeah. It's kind of, sometimes. Guess what, Holden? Because that is the truth too. Is that the thing about Holden is he is a guy who, like the old saying, you don't see the forest for the trees, right? Like he 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 gets caught. He gets so narrowed, focused on something. But then he's the one arguing, kind of against what he perceives as their narrow focus. 
Right. You know, and this relates again to me. It brings me back to the beginning of the show when we first met Tench going out and talking to people and then he brings Holden along. And then guess what you get? You get a police chief who, unfortunately, the investigation, as you had pointed out, had been botched, not because the guys who were doing it were bad or they didn't want to solve the crime or they're crooked cops. No, it's just that their methodology was out of fashion for Mm -hmm. these people that they're trying to deal with these days. And you see the same thing with chief Redding. He's a good guy. He seems to have a in touch or seems to have some kind of touch with the community. But then when they go out, they find out nobody was interviewed. (laughs) <laughs> right. And he Amazing. was. But you can, it's because of it's a system. Right. They're dealing right. with a system. And that's what Holden is trying to change. And that's what Tench is trying to change. There's there. That's why, like, I can feel you feel that kind of the grinding of the gears of progress in this show so much. And it's so prevalent. And in the end, what happens is. He needs Tench to come in there and talk with him in front of everybody, right? And then Bill, so- <laughs> when he comes in the store, Bill, you're here. And Bill hardly talks to him, too, because he's still pissed at him, right? Yeah. We're on episode six, and Tench still doesn't want to have nothing to do with Holden. He's just like, <laughs> oh, God, Holden, right? Like, I had to rescue you at the goddamn uh, uh, drinks, you know, at the gala. Now I got to rescue <laughs> you here, too. You know, but Holden's right, you know, so Tench is constantly, I mean, Mindhunter could be renamed like the tight, like the tight wire act of, of Hent, of Tench, because that's all it is. He's constantly on a tight wire, whether it's, you know, Nance and Brian or Holden and Wendy or whatever it is, you know, um, it's, he's really the foundation and the backbone of this show and he should have won multiple emmys holt mcelaney multiple oh, boy. Emmys lights out show. baby multiple I know. He's, he's brilliant so good. He's so yeah good. it's really great but yeah you're right man um in this, this is interesting to me because this at this time mine hunter really didn't glorify holden you know they spent a lot of season one glorifying him and having him be Mm -hmm. the champion who comes in. This one is more showing how Holden has his deficits politically. And even if he's right in one way, he can't be the guy who is trying to push this on everyone because he just doesn't listen, you know? And, but I do want to mention one part because Gareth Williams, who played uh, chief Redding, there was that funny ass part where Holden is trying to argue with him and he kind of looks at him and he go, and he's like, well, you know what? You're, you're right. I can't. And then he just, I can't remember what he said, but he's like, <laughs> I guess I just never did 20 years of police work or saw 18 yeah, yeah, bodies, yeah. you yeah. know? And, then, and, and uh, as he, when he said, you're right, Holden was like, I'm right. You could see him smiling like his shoulders are uplifted and it's like, no, we're going to crush you. Because being right is not everything, you know, and a lot of times delivery is everything and he still needs to learn. Maybe he never will, but that's why he has bill. 
Yeah, I mean, be honest. I mean, you know, the two of them together work. Yeah, that's it. That's why you need a team, and, baby. And you need that. That's right. Like me and you. Follow and That's solo. why we work. Yeah. But yeah, no. So, you know, and, and and the chief does come around finally and be like, okay, we'll go back to yep. the old. And then they find a, basically a graveyard with three bodies. Yeah, crazy. Um, and, and they find some porno mags and some uh, evidence, cigarettes, tire tracks. Uh, mm-hmm. And it looks like they have a suspect. Um, and, of course, that's when Holden's like, oh, he's white? Like, because yeah. he doesn't believe. Uh, uh, they do get, you know, the warrant. Uh, and it's funny because you have the uh, the dynamic of the DA, like, he's old school. Like, again, the old way that evidence, I, you know, I'm going to get a warrant on psychological stuff like you know and then of course his caveat he comes through but he's like leave the press out of it and then of course the press are all over yeah. um we do have an easter egg i'm not because just in case our list some of our listeners don't know about the atlanta city murders don't know about the later on stuff and all that there for those of you who know about it there's a great cameo. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think you put a picture on Facebook. Yeah, I mentioned our, it uh, earlier. Yeah, if you watch when and this that this this takes place when they are at the first um, kind yeah, of dragnet the, when the cops are out searching, and right. yeah, one one of the photojournalists turns very. And stares and is in front of the camera for like three seconds. It's very purposeful. Yeah. But we'll get yeah. to know him next episode. We'll we'll talk yeah. more about him next episode. But I just also wanted to mention that um uh when they I, I thought it was really interesting, again, the way that Bill comes in and kind of translates to Redding, hey, what he's really talking about is allocation of manpower. Right. That's right, it. Right. And that, and yeah. then, and then they figure everything out. So I just wanted to mention that because I thought that that was funny. Um, but uh, I also thought that when they happen upon that scene and they find the one body, and then they find the other body, and then they find the other body, and then they come running up, and nobody's wearing glo- just the way they're holding. It's oh, like I wear know. gloves, and yeah. like that just illustrated to me too. Like there's people trampling all over. Right. Like, how did they collect any evidence? And it's just, contamination. Yeah, and... it's just great the way they kind of subtly showed that because it was happening so fast. But then Holden is like sitting and he's like, what are you doing? Like gloves and like, why are all these yeah. people here? And, you know, like he's just having kind of like an OCD fit about what was happening. Right. Um, and I thought that that was really cool the way that they took the time they just kind of show how we take for granted so much of this stuff on TV. You know what I mean? Like we're always so smart when we're watching a TV show. Oh, there he used a credit card. They're going to track him down to the hotel. <laughs> like, right. But when you're in the moment and, and the passions are flowing and you have to deal with all the politics and then like the great scene when, um, uh, well, I'm trying to find his name here. Um, the uh, who who was he was who wasn't the uh, he wasn't the D was he the DA he was um uh the one they go to see at the his wife's fundraiser yes is that who you're talking about? yes 
That was it. Yeah, was I that? just put DA down. Okay. Why? I don't know his name. The fact that they took so much time for that scene and had a huge room full of people. I mean, there were like 150 extras. He, right. The guy gets up. He delivers a speech. Also, they can have that whole scene that you're talking about, about procedure and everything in the back room. And Tench is sitting there eating the pie. (laughs) He's talking about semen. (laughs) Semen was found at the scene and he's eating the pie. I'm like, oh, dude, it was just I was sitting there with my mouth open. And especially in these times of Corona, which is one of the reasons we took a little break on the podcast. But just to think about. The time and effort it took just to set that up. And you know you're producing and, and you know making a movie right now solo to just think about a scene where there's that many extras, you need that much camera, that much lighting, right? Oh dude. That much if we makeup. were to, if I if I was if we were doing that on low budget, we would not have that. I know the DA would just walk into the room but and we just do that one yeah. scene there. It's crazy you know? it's just crazy that they did that much effort for that tiny little scene. And also the guy who played the DA knocked it out of the fucking ballpark. Like he would have been nominated for like a best supporting Oscar or something like the speech he gave. And then when he talks to Holden, this show take, when you really take a chance and you know that when you cast something like that, or you stick a scene and then the other actors are also like, why does this guy get one scene to vamp? Right for five minutes and be a star but it totally worked and it set the tone for what was happening here you know and how deep the politics go and also the little subtlety when the three of them are at like the host stand the guy's like hey mr harrison mrs mrs harrison it down to a point where one white couple passes and they kind of look at jim subtly like what's he doing yes and and then he opens the door and put basically says wait in here like that little subtlety like i don't know if i noticed that before but of course in in the times we living in you 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 know that stuff is all around and what's we're more aware and that little subtlety was like oh my god like it's 1979 or 1980 whatever the hell it is and it's still it's just it, 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 you're in i mean you're in the south especially but it was that little thing i was like oh man but that's jim you can't yeah what, you know but that, but that's that how shows it too you're right solo all those people in the room and that big room was like representative of the system that they're fighting against right and right. how you had that white guy da stand up there like i'm for the rules and i'm supporting the arts and everything you know and they're like we're trying to save 18 fucking little black kids that are dead dude that's what yeah. holden has to say at the end and he's like okay you got it right like yeah he i bring, mean he, he kind of shatters the whole room and that's when i was like uh, okay holden Sometimes you get it right. Sometimes you can cut to the heart of it and you get it right. Because that time he just that whole all that pageantry just ground to a halt by him being like, well, we're trying to solve the murder of 18 children, you know, and he's like, "Okay, well, in that case, here you go. Yeah. And he didn't even want it. And I mean, and that's the and that's the fact, too, especially of this time frame, you you have black children getting murdered. Is it a priority? You know, and, that, and that's sad. Yeah. And that's sad that's, because they're children. They're children. It doesn't matter. 
But unfortunately, especially in this time, it does matter in the eyes of the higher ups or whatever, or society. But it's so frustrating. Like, can't you just understand they're kids? You know, they're children. That should be enough. And I think what this show is so great about Solo is that that is prevalent, obviously, throughout the entire time that they're in Atlanta. It's Barney. It's everything. It's in everything, right? Right. But it's also how um, they show it in Commissioner Lee Brown and how when he pops up and Holden's like, I'm going to go out there and tell them. And he's he's like, like, oh, no, you're not. You're not. (laughs) And it's like, okay, again, and it's like with Barney and Tench and Holden. In the end, it's not black or white. It's not male or female, rich or poor. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's we're trying to find who is hurting little kids, people who are doing bad things. We're trying to solve a problem, but they can't ignore the systems that have risen around them um, that can really control what they can and cannot do. They have to navigate that. And that's so much of what this show is about. They do a brilliant job of it. Um, and they and they show both sides. Not I'm not trying to use that famous statement for any other reason than this show, but right, you know right. because I think it's important to show the way there are people within a community that hamper a community, just like there are people outside of a community that are against a. You know what I mean? Like there's people who take advantage of situations and systems, no matter if you would perceive them to be on the winning or losing side. Right. On the oppressor or the oppressed side, there are always people who take advantage of the system. But then there are guys like Tension Holden who are trying to do their job. You know what I mean? In the best they can and forward and progress things. And that's why we love it. Yeah. I mean, it's just, again, the show is so detailed and they cover everything, you know, down to, you know, like I was told about the retreat. The golf clubs, the bellhops, Bill not used to it. The reaction to Jim being at this fundraiser type. I mean, just Class. those little things. Yeah. It, it's just the little subtleties, but it's so detailed. It and is. it captures the the time and the society and everything. And that's why the rewatchability of this show is wow. unbelievable. Every, I mean, whenever we sit down to do an episode i always of course rewatch the episode but i always try to rewatch the episode before or a portion of it and then i watch a little bit of the next episode so i get ready you know and then i yeah. and then i have to stop myself <laughs> oh i had to cuz netflix you know it just goes up i'm ready to to watch yeah you know what's amazing I watch axel the whole series I don't know. Remember when we first were talking about doing the Mindhunter pod and season two was about to come out. Our original plan was to like binge it the whole day and like watch an episode, talk about it, go yes, back. Yep. There's no way no. we would have got through two episodes that way. It's so detailed. It's not Desperate Housewives. Yeah. It's, you know, it's, crazy. it's, it's uh, I'm so I'm glad we did it this way and I'm glad we're back. Me too. Uh, to, we owe the listeners to finish this. We owe it to ourselves and we finally have a good time now. I know it's been a long time. It's been almost a year. Yeah, <laughs> we, it's been a while, baby. Like, it's been a while, baby. So we're back. And I apologize. I thought, personally, I thought we'd be able to do this in the summer. But uh, 
we weren't able to, but we're here now. So we're here, baby. jump back on the train, baby. And uh, we'll be finishing this series and doing a lot of fun things. So to keep your uh, appetites uh, yeah. fed. Yes. That- and, and this episode, this is a, you know, this episode goes right into the next episode. So when you hear us next, I mean, they pick right up. And they're right back in Atlanta and they're getting into it. And then that's where, you know, this is where we're primarily are the rest of this season here, because this is really kind of the, you know, the murder of the season um, for, for mine hunter. But that does not that that means much because there's so many goddamn murders in my, (laughs) and also as we get towards the end Recently, over the over the, this past year, uh, we had that a documentary series on the Atlanta child murders yes. yep. that was on. So, uh, you know, in the finale, probably I'll share my. Yeah, let's take do that. I'd love to do on, that. Yeah, I'd love yeah, for you to go into it more. Yeah, no, we'll do that with the finale because I have some new thoughts and stuff okay. than I did before. So we'll definitely tie that up. I like it. And. Uh, so just, yeah, a few things I, I want to go over with that. Um, so anyway, uh, so any last words, Axel, before we get out of here? No, um, I just want to thank everyone again for listening. Uh, like I said, you know, we went away for a while and I was afraid, oh man, we're going to get like, people are going to be mad. We didn't, And then I look and we're getting emails and reviews and I look at the downloads and people are really enjoying it. And good, that good. really makes me happy because... Man, to me, all the time when people talk about the greatest shows in TV history, even I think about Mindhunter and I I really think that you have a director like Fincher and the production and the cinematography, everyone involved in this show is of the highest quality. And, you know, there's a lot out there streaming and people forget about Mindhunter. So I'm glad that you people listening are not the people who forgot about mine, Hunter. <laughs> yes. Um, and I just want to give one last shout out to, to just say, we didn't talk too much about the music, but we should just always mention the score. What an amazing score. Just the, I just so creep. <laughs> Gets oh, me back into man, it. When I, I know hear it. I hear it. I look I, over my shoulder. I go, Axel, don't walk on the, it's a crime scene. Dude, last night I finished watching the episode. Okay. Then I was hanging out, you know, doing whatever, watching TV, and my son woke up, and the way I saw him is I was walking, like, past the hallway, and I looked down the hallway, and his head just kind of popped out, (laughs) (coughs) and when his head popped out, I heard, like, I heard the fucking Mindhunter music in my head, and I jumped, (laughs) and he he was like, Dad, what's wrong? Like, it it scared him. He was like, yeah. I had a bad dream. And I was like, you are my bad dream. Oh, my God. Sorry. You're my son. I love you. Oh, wait, no. I became holding. All right, Brian, go to bed. Go to bed, Brian. Um, <laughs> and let me just give a shout out to that kid, because just that scene when he was staring at the little girl, oh, that was man. some good ass acting. That little kid. That was very good. Good for you. Very... His name is Zachary Ross. We love you, Zach. Good, you're the man, good brother. For you. Good for. I wonder if he, is he. He's not like he's not related to Atticus Ross, is he? The oh, inter. Well, normally I wouldn't say, but because of the Fincher connections, 
Yeah, I wonder. And he kind of looks, I guess, he, would he kind of look like him? Dude, I think that's his kid. I, I'm not even, wait a second. Live on Mindhunter. We're figuring this out live. Okay, you know what? Next episode, we're going to confirm this. Okay. But I think that this kid, Zachary Ross, is Might actually Atticus. Atticus Ross's son. Yeah, that would make it would make perfect. Look at you. You you get one episode back <laughs> into Mindhunter, and you're already solving. Dude, it's the only role he's ever had. I, I I'm telling you. Okay, we're gonna get we're gonna get down to the bottom of this mystery. We're gonna figure <laughs> it out. All right, we're gonna figure it out. Cool. And just uh, the closing credits music was a song "Lunatic Fringe" by Red Rider. Nice. So it goes on the Mine Hunter mix. Uh, so yeah. So we'll be back in two weeks. We're gonna do yep. this every other week. Yep. Um, we'll be back again. Go to um, dvrpodcast.com for all the information about our podcasting network. And if you want to become a patron, please, for a couple bucks a month, you can go to patreon.com slash DVR. And what's the Twitter handle, Axel? Get us at, at DVR Podcast and follow Heath, baby, at Heath Actor. Get all those updates about Star City Murders and all yeah, the goodness. Yeah, baby. Yeah, and thank you so yes. much for downloading. Yeah, become a patron. Support us. We got lots of pods. And actually, these pods will be released first on Patreon. So first. go on over there, baby. Number one. All right. Well, for Axel, I'm Heath. This has been a pleasure hunting minds together. And uh, before we get out of here, Axel, you watch any porn? As I do a famous line from Mindhunter, I'm just just twisting my wedding ring. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, me too. Let me twist that. (laughs) All right, guys, we'll see you. We'll see you next time. That was awesome, baby. (laughs) Yeah.